Amen. Hey, well, again, thanks, thanks to each and every one of you for being here today. And if you are a guest, um, you don't know who I am. My name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And it really is an honor and a privilege to be able to share with you guys this morning. So I need all of the kids' attention just for a second. All right, I need your guys' help. Okay, so I need to let you know that I'm not going to preach very long. So you can tell your mom and dad that he's not going to preach very long. So it's going to be okay, mom and dad. The second thing is if your mom and dad are texting or on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, you need to tell them, raise your hand and wave to me and we will call them out. Okay, while they're so. Okay, thank you. I've already got one up here. All right. So. So make sure your mom and dad are paying attention this morning because we want them to get all that God has for them out of this message today. So, all right. Let me kick off here a little bit of a story. So imagine with me, it's Jesus's last time going into Jerusalem. This is going to be it. He knows that whenever he goes into Jerusalem, he's going to be spit upon, betrayed, mocked, ridiculed, and he's going to be crucified And so I shared this a little bit the last time that I shared with you. His disciples are kind of like rock stars at this point because Jesus is very famous. Thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are gathering and wanting to be wherever Jesus is. And so if you can't get close to Jesus, the next best thing is to be close to someone who is close to Jesus. And so he pulls his disciples aside and he kind of gives them a a slap in the face, so to speak, of of a reality that they're getting ready to face. And and he pulls them aside and he says, guys, I just want you to know we're going to go into Jerusalem and I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be spit upon. I'm going to be crucified when we go into Jerusalem. This is the last time that we're going to go into the city. And his disciples aren't paying attention And so he actually, in one of the Gospels, it tells us that he repeats the very same thing again. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. And and his disciples still aren't paying attention. And James and John, they pull Jesus over to the side and, and they say, Jesus, hey, sorry to hear about you getting mocked and ridiculed and arrested and crucified. But hey, whenever you become a king, can can John sit on your right side and can I sit on your left can, can, we be, can we be in positions of power and authority? Jesus, can, can we, one of us sit over here and one of, can we kind of be your vice president and co-vice president? Can we do that, Jesus? It's one of the most insensitive things in the whole New Testament. And some of the other disciples hear them say this and, and they get mad and they say, hey, that's not fair. We've been following Jesus, Jesus just as long as you two, James and John. That's not fair. I want to be his number two guy. I want to be his number three guy. You guys don't get first dibs on that. I want to be close in power and authority when Jesus is in charge. And so Jesus calls a timeout again, and he says, okay, guys, timeout. Let's come over here, sit under the tree. We've already gone over this once, but let's do it one more time. Let's sit down. Everybody pay attention. Everyone have their listening ears on. And so Jesus begins to explain to them, and this is what he says. He says, you know how the Romans and the Gentiles and the rulers and authorities, you know how whenever they have power, They use that power, they use that authority for their own personal gain. They use that authority to manipulate situations. They use that authority and that power to do whatever they want to do to get their own way. And the disciples are like, "Uh, yeah, Jesus, that's why we're following you. (laughs) 
Because we want that kind of power. We want that kind of authority. We know, Jesus, one day you're going to be in charge. And so we, we know that you're going to have authority and power. So we want to be able to tell people, hey, if I say go right, you go right. If I say go left, you go left. If I say stand up, you stand up. If I say sit down, you, you listen to what I have to say. And Jesus says, okay, guys, I want you to know. I want you to know it's okay to have power. It's okay to be in leadership. It's okay to have authority. There's nothing wrong with that. But whenever you have authority, whenever you have power, whenever you have leadership, you don't use that leadership and that power the way the Gentiles do. Not so with you, he says. Not so with you. You don't use your power. You don't use your influence. You don't use your authority for personal gain. Not so with you. James and John, Bartholomew, Andrew, Philip, you guys don't use your power that way. Now, it's been said about the generation from 18 to 30, we could even go 15 to 30. The word that kind of describes this generation is this word called entitled. Entitled. And some of you parents are already shaking your head, yes. Because you're a teenager, you know that whenever they, whenever the latest and shiniest and newest and best and whatever the upgrade is, they want you to get that for them because everyone else has it, right? You know what I'm talking about? And, and, they, and you think, no matter how much money I spend on my kids, no matter how much I give to them, they still feel entitled to whatever the newest thing is. But I don't think that's just the 18 to 30-year-old generation. I think all of us. The, the word that probably describes all of us the best is this word entitled or entitlement, that we deserve something, we deserve something, that, that we've worked hard or, or we've done something, so now we deserve that. All of us, to a certain degree, whether we're, we're willing to admit it or not, we all feel entitled a little bit. And I could give you Webster's Dictionary, his definition of entitlement, but let me describe a situation and a scenario that may be a little bit more helpful. If you've ever been to an Easter egg hunt, okay, imagine with me you're at an Easter egg hunt. I don't know if we do that here at this church, but imagine with me you're at an Easter egg hunt and all the kids are lined up, hundreds of kids are lined up at the line and, and you as a parent are getting a little bit nervous because there's some bigger kids and then some even bigger kids and your kid is there and they're waiting in line and, and someone says, on your mark, get set, go and they shoot off a gun or they drop a ribbon or something and everyone starts taking off it and the 12 and 13 year olds they have their pillowcase and they're filling up their pillowcase with easter eggs and your little child they're walking over there and they're toddle they're toddling along and they look back up at you and smile and and they keep going and keep going and they're about to get an egg and you're cheering them on and then boom they get knocked over by one of the bigger kids and, and there's tears there and they're crying and, and you're mad and you're upset and you go to the person in charge or to the pastor or whoever it is and you say, hey, we were here early. We waited in line. We go to church here. This isn't fair. That kid has 12 pounds of Easter eggs in their pillowcase and my kid only has three Easter eggs and you're arguing and you're upset and you're mad and you're crying and your children are crying and hey, you told me this was going to be a happy place and all of this is happening, right? And that's entitlement wars because the big kids are like, hey, we worked for this. We had maps. We were scoping it out. We were ready. We knew where the eggs were at, and we were just filling them up as fast as we can. That, we're entitled to those eggs. That's, that's entitlement wars. Okay, maybe you guys don't get that or you can't relate to that, all right? Ladies, it's the day after Thanksgiving sale. 
And, and you're, at, you're at the shoe store, right? And there's 600 ladies outside and there's 50 pairs of shoes and you have your face plastered against the window. Right. You, you're looking in there and you've been waiting all morning long before the sun came up. You were out there and they they open the doors and weaves are flying. People are screaming, hairs going everywhere. And you're trying to get to those shoes and you had left to go get your friend a cup of coffee. And the manager, you're going to the manager and you're like, it's not fair. I've been here since three in the morning and I went to get coffee for my friend and I want the same discount and I want my shoes and you have, I'm entitled. I deserve that. Right? Or men, men, you're not off the hook. It's the flat screen, 80 inch TV. And you're waiting at Walmart or you're waiting at whatever department store to get inside of there and you want the television. And again, there's only 100 TVs left that are for $3.99 and there's 700 guys outside and you're fighting and pushing and arm wrestling and, and hurting each other and biting and all of that stuff. And it's entitlement wars. I deserve that. I, I deserve to have that. And so if you're a Christian here this morning, I mean, imagine with me Jesus walking into the department store, walking into the shoe store, or even crazier than that, weirder than that, Jesus going to the Easter egg hunt, right? He's, he's like, seriously? I die on a cross and rise from the dead, and you guys are arguing over Easter eggs? I mean, seriously? Come on. And that was supposed to be funny, all right? Come on, guys. But, but he's saying... And we're, we're, we're saying, Jesus, come on, how, how, do, we, how do we solve this problem? How, how, is it a everybody get in line? Is it a first come, first serve? Is it a Santa Claus, naughty and nice type thing? I mean, what is it? How, how do we discover, how do we decide? Who, does Jesus pull out a sword and pull a Solomon and he cuts the TV in half? And he's like, okay, one, well, you get 40 inches of this side, you get 40 inches of that side. I mean, how, how do you decide who gets what? How, how do you decide who's entitled to what? Entitlement wars. And, and so we would say, Jesus, come on. I mean, you're smart, Jesus. Des- decide this for us. Who gets to, who gets to go home with the team? Who gets to have their stuff? Who, who is it, Jesus? How, how do we solve this problem? And what I love about the gospel is that Jesus actually models this for us. And, and he says this, and we're going to look at the scripture here in a moment in John chapter 13, but th- this is what Jesus says. He says, you know what? You guys decide that. Have an election. Have a vote. Take a survey. You, you guys, everyone figure out what you're entitled to. Who gets the shoes? Who gets the television? Who gets the money? I mean, whatever the question is about what you're entitled to, hey, the government, they take too much taxes away from us. I deserve that money. I work 40 hours. I work 60 hours a week. I should have more of that income. The government doesn't deserve. You, you guys figure all of that out, all of the questions of what you think you're entitled to, and then invite me into the conversation. Because the question isn't, what are you entitled to? The better question is this, church. Are you ready? What are you going to do with what you're entitled to? The question isn't, what are you entitled to? Figure that out and get what you think you deserve. But Jesus is going to come to you and he's going to ask you, what are you going to do with what you think you're entitled to? But Jesus, that, that doesn't solve the problem for me. I mean, I want you to be the judge. I want you to be the jury. I want you to be the arbitrator. I want you to figure out who gets what. And Jesus says, I'm not going to do that. 
I'm just going to come and answer one simple question or ask you one simple question. What are you going to do now that you have what you think you deserve, now that you have all of your toys, now that you have all of your stuff, what are you going to do with what you think you're entitled to? And that always kind of pushes us. It kind of pushes us back a little bit because we're like, Jesus, are you on the left? Are you on the right? And Jesus says, hey, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. I'm not on either one of your sides. You're both wrong. You're all wrong. The the real question is, what are you going to do now that you're entitled to whatever you think you're entitled to? And so, church, I I just want you to understand this principle that we're going to look at just for a few minutes here. It could change our church. It could change our community. It could change our world. If just the Christians could get this right. If just the Christians could get this right, I mean, think about the first century Christians. They didn't have any microphones. They didn't have a beautiful choir up here. They didn't have Pastor Dan's incredible sermons every week. They didn't have any of those things. And yet in 300 years, they turned the Roman Empire upside down. With their love, with their generosity, with the Holy Spirit, they turned the Roman Empire upside down. So imagine if we, as the followers of Jesus Christ, if we could just get this right, what would happen in our world? And so in John chapter 13, they're getting ready to celebrate the Jewish Passover. And many of you already know what the Jewish Passover it is. It's this ancient festival that they had been celebrating for literally hundreds of years. They they celebrated this night when Moses led them out of Israel, where God delivered them. And the very last of the ten plagues was the death of the firstborn. And God told Moses, I want you to take a lamb, all of the Israelites, take a lamb, put its blood in a little bowl. And then I want you to take these branches and I want you to dip it in the blood and put them on the doorpost, the top of your doors and the side of your doors. And whenever the death angel comes into Egypt that night and he sees the blood, he, he will pass over you. Death will not come to your house. And so he says, whenever I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that night, the Israelites were delivered from slavery. After over 400 years of being slaves, God delivered them. And so they're celebrating this year after year with this Jewish festival called the Passover. And Jesus has all of the guys in an upper room, and they're, getting, they're all sitting down ready to eat this meal. And they're all there, and, and they're getting ready to eat. And this is what it says. John chapter 13 and verse number one, it says, it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go into the father, go to the father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in process and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. This is one of Jesus's closest followers. He's getting ready to betray Jesus to the Jewish rulers. He's getting ready to betray Jesus. He's sitting across the table, and Jesus already knows that. And in verse 3, it says, and Jesus knew. Now, this little word that John uses, this word knew, it was as if Jesus already knew this, but it came to the surface in this moment that Jesus had a new revelation or a new epiphany of something that we're getting ready to read here, that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things All things, all things under his power and under his authority. And that he was from God and was going to return to God. Jesus knew that he had all power, all authority. So church, let me just ask you this really quick. What would you do if you knew you had all authority and all power? 
You were, the, you were the, not just the most powerful man in the room. You were the most powerful man in the city. You weren't just the most powerful man in the city. You were the most powerful person in the nation, in the world. What would you do with that kind of power and that kind of authority? Not from a politician but, or from a king, but from God himself. What would you do with that kind of authority and with that kind of power? If you knew there was a group of individuals just down the street that were plotting your death, what would you do with that power? Just across the table from you is sitting the man who is going to stab you in the back. What would you do in that moment? Listen to what it says Jesus does. And so he got up from the meal and took, out his, took off his outer clothing. Jesus was a rabbi. He wore a robe, uh, the robe of a rabbi. So every synagogue he walked into, every town that he walked into, he, he had this position. He, ha- he had this attire of authority. He takes that off, and the Bible says that he wraps a towel around his waist. And he gets a bowl, and he gets some water, and he kneels down on his hands and knees. The, the guy that we were just singing about that Pastor Brent led us in, Worship to this guy that has all authority, all power, who spoke and the heavens came into existence, gets down on his hands and knees, takes off his robe, wraps a towel around himself, and he takes the position of a servant. In the moment when he realized he was entitled to all authority, all power, he takes the position of a servant. Listen to what happens here. I mean, the disciples, their minds are racing. They're like, oh, man, I can't believe we forgot to hire somebody to do this. We, we forgot to get someone to do this. Jesus should not be doing this right now. I can't believe, James, you were supposed to do that. You're in charge of that. You forgot. Listen to what it goes on to say, say here. After that, he poured water into the basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet and dry them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are are you going to wash my feet? I mean, Jesus, seriously? Seriously? Jesus, you're going to take those hands and you're going to touch my dirty feet with those hands? Jesus, I've seen you take those hands and you touch the lepers and they were made clean. Jesus, I saw you one time, you kneeled down and you spit in the mud and you made mud pies and you wiped them on someone's eyes and you told him to go wash and he could see again. Jesus, just a couple of weeks ago, we were at Jairus' house, remember that? Remember Jesus? And we were there and his little girl was dead and it was me, James, and John. We were in the room with you and you took those hands and you lifted up that girl and she came back to life again. They were having a funeral already outside and Jesus, you took those hands and you raised her back to life. Jesus, you're going to take those hands and you're going to wash my feet? Are you serious? And Jesus goes on to say this. He says, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And when he had finished washing their feet, and this is so powerful, he put his clothes back on and returned to his place. Do do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them, to which none of the disciples say anything out loud. They're like, no, Jesus, because you just said we don't understand. And rarely do we ever understand what you're doing. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You, you call me teacher. You call me Lord. And he says, you call me Lord. You call me teacher. And I've never said, no, don't call me Lord. No, don't call me teacher. I'm, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a Lord. 
He goes on to say, rightly so, for that is what I am. These are titles that I'm entitled to. I deserve that, that respect. I deserve that honor. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Church, Jesus could not be more clear that whenever you come to a realization that you've been entitled to something, whether that's your time, whether that's your possessions, whether that's your money, whether that's your influence, whatever it is, that you would use that not for personal gain, but for the blessing and the benefit of someone else. That you and I have been called to serve and to give ourselves away, not to hoard, not to get more for ourselves, not to accumulate more for ourselves. We've been actually called to serve and to take the position of a servant. Jesus says, this is the example that I've set for you. This is the example that I'm calling you to live by, is that you would take on a servant's heart and attitude to serve those around you. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Church, this should be the reputation of our church. I would love for this to be the reputation in the community that they would say, you know what? I don't believe all of that Jesus stuff or the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me, but I sure hope my daughter marries one. I, I, I don't know if I believe or agree with all of their theology or if I understand all of the stuff that they always talk about at that church, but I sure hope that I work for one. I sure hope that there's a Christian who works at my company because there's nothing better than having a Christian in close proximity to you. What if that was our reputation, church, in this community? What if the community, when they saw us in the marketplace at work, what if your coworkers, when they saw you, they might, they might say, I don't know if, if I understand or I fully get all of that Christian stuff, but man, I can't believe that I get to work next to this person. It's incredible. What if that was our reputation? The more that you give to that Christian community, the more they invest back into the neighborhoods and into the community. There's nothing better than a Christian in our community. What if that was our reputation? And that's what Jesus goes on to say, very truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than their master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you are blessed. Not if you believe them, not if you preach sermons about them, not if you exegete them, not if you build whole theologies around them. You are blessed if you do them if you do them the question for you the question for me is what are we going to do with what we've been entitled to and, and I'm getting close here to the end I promise there's four things and there's more than that but there's four things I kind of want to point out this morning that we've all all feel that we're entitled to and I mentioned them a little bit earlier our money the money that we work for on a regular basis, we feel like, hey, I'm entitled to that. I, I've worked for that. I've earned that. I've inherited that maybe from your parents. They've passed that down onto you. I, I deserve that, and that's, that's totally true. That's true. Your, your possessions, I purchased them or I bought them on credit or whatever it is that you've done. But, but your possessions, you feel, we all feel like, hey, that's mine. You don't have to teach a kid, my, my child, my children, all of them. That's my iPod. And I'm the one who bought it for him. But it's, it's my iPod. I, that's mine. You, you, we all feel entitled to that, okay? 
None of your kids do that? Okay, just mine? All right. So, so our money, our possessions, our time, it's Saturday. I've worked hard this week. I want to sleep in. It's Sunday. I want to sleep in. Whatever it is, uh, we, we feel like we're entitled to our time. So our money, our possessions, our time, and then our influence, our influence, that, that we, we're entitled to the influence I, I can give or I can pass this influence on to whoever I want to pass this on to. And so those are kind of four components or four things that all of us, to, however old you are, however young you are, that you feel somewhat entitled to. And what I love about this church, I've just been here a little bit over a month and a half, but I've already learned this about you guys, is that you're, you're incredible. A lot of you, a majority of you in this room that are here this morning, you get this. That's why we have such incredible volunteers. That's why we have so many incredible resources is because you get this. You, you've taken what you're entitled to or what you think you deserve, your time, your money, your possessions, your influence, and you've given those and you've allowed Bethesda to use some of those things for the glory of Jesus Christ and for the the continued growth of his kingdom in our community and in our world. That's what I love about our church in the short amount of time that I've been here. But I want to share with you some incredible opportunities. And Pastor Josh already mentioned some of these things in the fast five here a few moments ago. But we have an incredible opportunity to use our time, our money, our possessions, our influence that is coming up on October the 3rd, okay, October the 3rd. Kids, are your parents still paying attention? All right, good. On October the 3rd, we're going to have our health fiesta on the beach, and and you've already heard that. This is an outreach. We're doing a medical clinic. We're doing dental. We're doing cancer screenings. We're doing all of these different things to reach out in our community, and wouldn't it be incredible Wouldn't it be incredible if all of us, all of us were involved on October the 3rd, if all of us showed up here to serve our community, to serve our community and to pray with people, to help people, to encourage them, to, as guests are coming in, we're walking them through this tour of this medical clinic that they get to have and they get to be a part of it. And we're we're helping those that are from low income uh, parts of our community and we're being a blessing to them. On October 3rd, you have a chance. I'm gonna be here, my family's gonna be here. You have an opportunity to do that. We have an opportunity to be like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. What if we, yeah, you can clap for that. What if we took advantage of that opportunity to serve our community? That Saturday, October the 3rd, we all show up here and we're saying, we're going to be a blessing to our community. We're going to serve and we're going to give. And some of you are like, you're, you're wondering and you're, you're asking, okay, Pastor Michael, that's great. What else can I do? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. I'm so glad that you asked because I know that's just kind of the beginning or the tip of the iceberg. On that day, BCS, Bethesda Christian School, they're having a blood drive. They're having a blood drive on that day, all right? And so on that blood, you can come and you can give blood. Maybe you can't come and you can't serve all afternoon, but you could come and you could give blood. How many of you enjoy giving blood? All right. Yes. All right. Some of you. Okay. I gave blood in, uh, or I gave plasma in college. That's how I kept food on the table uh, and put myself through college was I gave plasma. Yeah, amen to that. Um, But I only passed out three times, but it was great. Ramen noodles and giving blood. That's that's what I lived on during those college years. But um, so... We, we have the opportunity to do that, to partner with Bethesda Christian School on October 3rd, that same day. We, we can be a part of that blood drive. And guys, this is a need in our community. This is a need in hospitals all in the Fort Worth area. And we get a chance to partner and to give. And, and, and you might be saying, well, I can't give blood. Okay, 
Guess what else is going on that day? Our Child Development Center, they're having their annual 5K walk and run. And they said, you know what? You can bring a stroller. You can bring your walkers. You don't have to run, okay? Pastor Dan's bringing his walker. It's going to be awesome. But no, I'm joking. I'm joking. That was a low blow. I'm sorry. But, but basically, he called me Hezekiah last week in, in his sermon. So I was just, never mind. Okay. If you missed last week, go watch the, the podcast. All right. But so you can be a part of that. And all of those funds, all of that money that is given towards that 5K, it's going back towards our child development center. And we literally ministered hundreds and hundreds of kids Monday through Friday right over here in this part of the building. And you get to be a part of that. We get to continue to be a blessing in our community. Church, we can do this. You can pick one of those three things or you can pick all three of those things. You know what else? Mike Eason told me we still need coats, winter coats, whether they're gently used or you can go out and get brand new coats for, for for kids for this coming winter that are from low-income families that don't have coats, that don't have jackets, that stand out at the bus stop without a coat, that stand out at the bus stop without gloves or without hats, you have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to give coats and to be a part of that ministry on October the 3rd. We're going to be giving them coats. We're going to be giving them food. We're going to be giving them medical attention. Church, we get to be Jesus to our community. So I want to encourage you. Let's do this. Let's do this together. If we all combined our time, if we all combined our resources, if we all combine our possessions, we can do something great to where Fort Worth, where Haltom City looks at us and says, man, I don't know if I would ever go to that church, but I am so glad that Bethesda Community Church is here in Haltom City and they are a blessing here and I hope that they stay here forever. All right? So we have a chance to do that. The other thing is, I've asked Pastor Brenda if she would come up just really quick, and she's going to share with us. You've heard Pastor Dan share how during our baby dedication last week, we had almost 100 babies that are being taken care of back here um, in our, our during, for our children's ministry, and uh, Brenda helps oversee extreme kids and, and all of that that goes on back there. She helps with that. And so I wanted her to be able to share of what God is doing and how we, again, can partner our time together to be a blessing to the next generation and to our kids. So, Brenda, will you share with us? Thank you, Michael. Do we need your help in the children's department? Yes, we do. We're seeing growth in all of the areas between birth through elementary age. But you know what's more important to me than just our need, but it's the need that, that our kids have and their families, what they have. You know, a lot of kids today, they don't live with mom and dad. Some of the kids see dad maybe twice a month. Others maybe only get to see him during the summertime. And others don't see dad at all. But kids need the godly influence of both men and women. And we can be that influence here at church. Pastor Michael mentioned your time, and that's what our kids need is your time. On Sunday mornings, we work on a rotation basis in all of our classrooms from birth through kids' church. I'm not asking you to serve every week. That's why we do a rotation, and we all, of course, need to be in service. But I'm convinced that the Lord wants all of us to serve. And in fact, I think that's one of the ways he helps us grow spiritually. If you think of it this way, if we were all water pitchers and the Lord comes and he equips us and he fills us up, we can either hold on to that and keep it for just ourselves or we can pour it out to others, which in turn leaves room for him to give us more and to teach us more.
So I think that building relationships with the kids, teaching them, spending time with them, what a fabulous way to grow in the Lord. On Wednesday evenings, again, we have the nursery classrooms, but we also have Impact and Royal Rangers. Both of these programs help teach Christ-like qualities to our kids. Of course, it's important for all of us to live a Christ-like life, but our kids need to learn how to do that. And if you're interested in teaching and modeling that to our children, I'd love to talk to you and get you involved. Now, I'm not one to do things out of fear or panic, but I'm also not one to just sit back and just hope it gets better or hope that somebody else will do something about this problem. But you know, this young generation faces a world of problems that I didn't face when I was a child. Every generation has had something new and challenging to face, but this one is bombarded with things that keep them from the Lord or at least distract them from Him. But I believe that it's time that we say enough is enough. Satan, you are not going to have this young generation. You're not going to kill, steal, and destroy them. And I'm going to do all I can to teach and train our kids in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to do all I can do to help support our young parents, to help support them, encourage them, and love on their kids. But I can't do it by myself. I need your help, but more importantly, all of our kids need your help. Thank you. So again, church, this, and this isn't meant to be one giant commercial because it's not, but I just want you to know there's opportunities for you to serve in our church and in our community. And, and many of you know I'm, I'm helping to oversee our ushers, our guest services, which are ushers, greeters, sec, section greeters right here um, in this room. Um, all, of, all of those different ministries that we have that are hospitality type ministries. And you, again, we have needs there also. There are needs in our church that, that where we need people. And again, not every week we have a rotation of, of a place for you to come and for you to use your gifts. Like Pastor Josh was saying, if you can smile, if you can shake someone's hand, if you can hand them a bulletin, then you can be a part of our security team. All of these things that we have, and we come here every Sunday morning. And we enjoy Pastor Brent and our choir leading in worship. We, we enjoy Pastor Dan and when he preaches the word to us. And, it, and it's easy to get comfortable and just simply to sit here on a Sunday morning and, and drop off our kids in an incredible kids ministry that we have. And, and to come and to hear the word preached and to hear the choir sing and to raise our hands and to bless the Lord. And all of those things are good and right and necessary. But then if we never, if we never get involved... Jesus said it this way, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That there is a blessing when you decide to get on your hands and knees and to take the position of a servant and to say, okay, God, I don't have a lot to offer, but I have some time that I could give back to the kids' ministry. I have some time that I could give to, to Bethesda uh, Cares and to this event, the Health Fiesta on the Beach. I have some time, and, and I'm going to get on my hands and knees, and it's, I'm going to get a little bit dirty, and it's going to get a little hard sometimes, and I'm going to have to wrap a towel around my waist, and I'm going to have to touch some dirty feet or change some dirty diapers, okay? 
okay? But I'm going to have to get down here, and it's okay because, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm not doing this for my own promotion. I'm not doing this so that I can get credit. God, I'm doing this for you. So whatever I do, whether in word or deed, I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. And God, I'm okay with this. I want to serve. I want to be, I want to follow Jesus' example to get down here and to get a little dirty and to take a little time and to use my resources and to be a blessing for your kingdom, for your glory, to make Jesus famous in our church and around our community. God, I want to be here to serve. And so, church, we have the chance to do that. Christmas is coming, and I know, again, I'm not trying to, we, we do the blessing tree here, and we're going to be able to adopt kids who won't normally have the same Christmas as everybody else would, again, that come from low-income families that are struggling during the Christmas season. We, and I know, Michael, you're talking about Christmas in August, come on, but I was at Walgreens the other day, and I already have all their Halloween candy out, so I'm like, okay, well, Christmas is coming, so let's get ready, but I'm just mentioning that. That's going to happen in December where we get to be, again, a blessing to our community. I'm going to close this in prayer, but I just want to read this last verse to you, and then we'll be done. From Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, this is what it says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came, but came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For even the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And before I pray for us, I just want to kind of clarify here for a moment. There's some of you who are involved up to here, okay? (laughs) And you know who I'm talking about. You're in the choir, you're a small group leader, you're an usher, you're a Sunday school teacher, you you do multiple things here at Bethesda, and I'm not asking you to add another thing to your list, Okay, so I I want you to hear my heart this morning. And if you can do some of these one-time events and help us with the health fiesta or you can help us with the 5K or you can help us with blood drive and and those type of one-time events or the blessing tree, all of those, that's great. And, And I want you to do that. But there's some of you here this morning and you're not involved in anything. And you came here and, and you, you've, you've sat in the back or you've sat up there. Or you've, maybe you've even sat over here on the side and you've, you've, maybe you got hurt at your last church and that's why you haven't jumped back in because you got hurt and you, you have some baggage there and you have some pain there. And I get that. I understand that. I want you to sit there. I want you to receive God's healing and help in, in all of those areas of your life. But there's some of you that, that you haven't taken that step to say, I want to serve. I want, I want to give. I want to take time to be a part, to be a blessing. And so I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you this morning. In fact, right after this service, we're, we're having the mentors meeting for, for our mentoring program right here between these two double doors in room 33 for people who are involved in, in investing and helping. And, and uh, Pastor Josh and I were talking about that earlier this week, and he's like, a lot of people think they have to be Mr. Miyagi in order to be a mentor. Wax on, wax off, right? But he, he was just telling, he was reminding me again that, you know, it, it just takes one person who's willing to say, hey, I'm, in, I'm willing to invest in, in the kids and in the teenagers and, and into fatherless homes that are represented in our church and in our community. You can be a part of that. I can be a part of that. We can make a difference. 
And so my hope, my prayer, as I've been preparing for this message this week and just and praying for you guys is some of you would take this first step. You would take this first step and say, I want to get involved. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how I can help. I, I'm, I have limited resources. I have limited time. I, I have limited ability. But I just want to encourage you to take one step, just one step. And I promise I'll help you through that. Our pastoral staff will help you through that. We'll coach you through that. We're not going to just drop you off in the nursery and say, all right, see you later. Good luck. And walk away. I promise. We, we want to help and come alongside of you to see the kingdom of God in this community blessed. Will you stand with me this morning? So the altar call for you today is just simply this. If you're involved then let's pray for more people to get involved from our church. If you're not involved, will you just pray, God, where can I use my time? Where can I use my money? Where can I use my possessions? Where can I use my influence? Where can I make a difference at, God, for your kingdom? God, where can I take the position of a servant and serve? Where can I be a blessing in your kingdom? Let me pray for us today. God, I thank you so much. I thank you, Jesus, for your example. I thank you, God, that you didn't come in arrogance or pride to be served or to be waited upon, but you took the position of a servant and you humbled yourself. Philippians tells us that you humbled yourself even to death on a cross for us. And so, God, I pray for every single person for every single young adult, for every single mom and dad, for every single grandparent that is in this room this morning. God, would you help us? Would you give us the wisdom to know what we're to do next? And then God, would you give us the courage to step out and to take the towel and to wrap it around ourselves and to serve the least of these, to serve and to follow your example, Jesus to take a servant's heart, to take the position of a servant and to humble ourselves and to say, God, everything I have, I'm giving it to you once again. My time, my possessions, my money, my resources, my influence, God, I give it to you and say, I don't have much, but what I have, God, it belongs to you. Use it for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.